Hi, friends, and welcome to a special summer episode of The Afterword, a podcast from Bellevue Women where we meet up to have deeper conversations about the truths we find in God's Word. I'm your host, Donna Gaines, and I'm here with my co-host, Dana Street. Today, we're also joined by our friends, Virginia Roberts and Macy Floyd. Ephesians 1 tells us that we are adopted as sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. So we know that the topic of today's podcast is near to the heart of our Father. There are over 143 million orphans in the world today. And in the United States alone, there are more than 437,000 children in foster care, with at least 125,000 of those eligible for adoption. So the need for loving, godly families to answer God's call to foster and adopt is there. The question is, what will we do about it? You're listening to The Afterword. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Virginia, thank you so much for joining us. And Macy, thank you for joining us. We are delighted to have you and excited to get to talk about foster care and adoption. Now, Macy, you have a unique story. So give us just a brief introduction. We'll get into it a little bit more later, but give us an introduction to you. Yes, of course. So I was adopted from China, from like the southeastern part of China, when I was about 13 months old. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason and the backstory behind that is because when I was born in 2000, There was this one-child policy that was mandated Mm -hmm. by the Chinese government during that time, which only allowed mothers to have one child to try to limit overpopulation. In doing so, my birth mom had a really hard choice of, because the easy option during that one-child policy period was to have an abortion. Right. And so the easy option was abortion, and the second easiest one was abandonment. So leave the baby on the street. And of course, in that time period, in that social economic society, men and boys were valued more. And so I remember listening to a documentary and doing research, and the worst thing that you could say to a mother in China during that period was, it's a girl. Right. And so boys were favored more, and therefore my birth mother was given a really, really hard choice. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I'm really glad that God put it in her heart to give me up for adoption, and she risked her life doing that. Yes. It was a huge risk back then. So I was adopted when I was 13 months old, and then a loving couple from America, from South Carolina, (laughs) decided to come over and fly to China and get me, and it was God's perfect plan. That is beautiful. Oh, that's so beautiful. I know it's going to make us cry. (laughs) We're losing Virginia over here. (laughs) Virginia, the Lord has moved on you and yours and Frank's heart to open your home and to foster care and adoption. So share just briefly kind of how you got into that. Yes. So initially, Frank and I were pursuing private infant adoption through Life Choices. But through a lengthy process, God just showed us that adoption wasn't just about adding to our family. But he wanted to turn our family's heart toward the ministry through foster care. And so uh, we started down that journey, and we started the classes that you have to take to become a foster family. And we weren't so sure at first, but after that first meeting, I mean, our hearts were about to just (laughs) come out. They were just—our hearts were breaking for the situation, like you mentioned, the statistics. And I think a lot of it was just we weren't aware that it was right here, that there was such a big need— that was right here in front of us and that we could do something about it. And so we were all in. We took the classes and we went through the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, which is an amazing organization here, and they partner with DCS to help raise up foster families. Mm -hmm. So we went through TBCH, and it wasn't long before we got the first call. And we've had several children through our home, and one we were able to adopt, Josiah, in November. And just recently we 
welcomed in two beautiful teenage daughters. So we now have seven I was children. Say, which is a whole new world. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> your oldest biological child is how old now? He's nine. Yes. So yes. they're so two, nine. three, five, seven, nine, 16, and 17. Wow. Wow. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I should have been taking notes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you know, the scripture is so clear. You know, it says pure and genuine religion, the sight of God, is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and keeping ourselves unstained from the world. It also tells us in Isaiah, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. God places the lonely in families, the Psalms tells us. He sets the prisoner free and gives them joy. And I know you have experienced the joy of adoption and foster care and adoption. And it is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. Now, Dana, you've gotten to spend a little more time with Macy. So I want you to kind of lead us through her story because I know how impacted you were after you guys had lunch. I was. It was the first thing I told Donna after our lunch that day was, You've got to hear Macy's story. <laughs> so you gave us a little bit of the background, but tell us just a little bit more how the waiting process went for your parents. Mm -hmm. Give us a little bit more insight to how that was for your parents. So what led up to that decision is that I'm the middle child of three. And so I have an older brother and a younger sister. And so after my mom had my older brother, they were trying to get pregnant again, but my mom had a lot of infertility issues going on. And so, and the doctor ultimately said, unfortunately, you won't be able to have another child. And then after that, my Nana, my mom's mom, said, I think you're going to adopt. And I think you're going to mm -hmm. adopt overseas. Foreshadowing there, I feel like that God put that on her mm -hmm. heart to tell my mom that. And then a couple years later, my mom and my dad started the process of thinking about international adoption overseas. And I think God put it on their hearts to adopt specifically from China. And so they started the adoption process early 99. I was born in 2000. And then they got me in May of 2001. And so their adoption process lasted about like 16 to 18 months of just waiting. And that was one moment that my mom told me about the story is being in that bedroom in a hotel in China and just waiting for me to arrive and someone to bring oh, her to me. Yes. And she was very anxious and she was just waiting for her baby to come because I always grew up knowing that I was born in my mom's heart. Absolutely. Oh, so. What a beautiful picture. That is. <laughs> I love the fact that even before you were born, mm -hmm. your parents had you in their heart, That's and they right. had already begun the process mm -hmm. of becoming your parents. How beautiful, what a beautiful love story that is for you. So, Macy, how has being adopted shaped your view of God? Oh, well, it goes back to, like, the passages that you read, Miss Donna, and also mentioned in Galatians and Roman. And if I could read the Galatians 4, 5 through 7, says, To redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship and daughtership. Um, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. That verse has really resonated with me through my testimony and through my story. And it shaped my view of God that he is my ultimate father. And I always like say to other people, sharing my testimony is I'm twice adopted. That's right. First adopted by my <laughs> parents and then adopted into God's family when I asked him into my heart. And to become my father and now I become his heir and his child in his kingdom. And so definitely has shaped my view of I can run to him in open arms, going to him because he is my ultimate father. Mm -hmm. So how has being adopted impacted you and where you are today? 
It's greatly impacted me. My parents are very loving. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was very involved in the church. He's a deacon at the church. Every time the church doors were open, I was there <laughs> running around, playing on the playground, and then eventually getting to serve and using my talents the Lord is giving me to serve at my church. And so just having the loving, nurturing of my parents and my family, I grew up with regular siblings. You know, we always fought and we, um, I have a younger sister as well. We're only six months apart. And oh she was kind of like the surprise baby. Yes. Because <laughs> after they started the adoption process with me, my mom found out she was pregnant. That happens so often. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up just being able to grow up in a home that was so loving, so caring, very open to talking about. They didn't like hide things from me. They didn't not talk about it. They were very open and they were willing to answer my questions if I became curious about it. Yeah. Mm. But also just raising me up and being a godly example to me of how to pray, how to read in the word, when to go to church, being in fellowship with other Christians. They set a great example for me to live. And that has gotten me where I am today, being in the seat and being able to have this conversation and be able to share my story with other people. And I'm thankful for that. Yes. And what our listeners don't know, but I'm going to tell them now, is that you are the editor and producer of our podcast. And so we are very blessed to have your skill set, your talents, your gifts impacting us regularly through the podcast that we do. Missy, what would you say to a couple who was considering going through the adoption process? I would say that if you're considering it, I know that God put that specifically on your heart, that calling, that longing to adopt someone, whether it is domestically or internationally, because there's orphans all over the world, there's orphans here at home, and you're making a difference no matter where you go or where God puts you on the heart to adopt from. He will specifically put that into your heart and say, I want you to adopt from this specific place or this specific family or overseas in this specific country. So he'll put that on your heart as well as you can raise an adopted child, even though they're not your own blood, you can raise them as your own family and become as a one family under Christ and be adopted into that family. If you have other kids, you can just bring them along and be able to treat them the same way you would do your biological kids and be able to have that nurturing and care and love and just be able to be with that family makes a whole lot of a difference and be able to be open with them about mm -hmm. it. Because that's the gospel. That's what God the Father has done for mm. us through yes, Christ. Absolutely. And that's why we are now heirs alongside Christ mm. because we've been adopted. And you know, China had that policy and girls were typically the ones who were either aborted or given up for adoption. And in India, it's very much the same way. Even they don't have the one-child policy, girls are oftentimes left outside to die or, you know, a family gets condolences if they give birth to a girl. And when I was in New Delhi doing a Bible conference, we taught on the importance of who they are in Christ and their identity. And we took them to Ephesians chapter one. And when we got to the part that says they've been adopted as sons, we were going through in Christ I am, you know, chosen, beloved, going through all that. When we got to adopted as sons, they broke out in spontaneous applause. Mm. My Western ears didn't get the significance that they heard when they realized I'm just as good as a son. God has adopted me like a son. I tell you what, I was forever changed by that. That's beautiful. Can I add one thing? Absolutely. Picking back right off what you said about India. I remember first century Rome mm -hmm. and Ephesus yes. and how they had outside the city gates, they had a garbage dump. heap, And it was common practice and very accepted that a child... That's right. Often girls, but yes. if they were disfigured or unwanted, an unwanted pregnancy, they would put the babies 
there to die. And That's a lot right. of them would die from exposure or starvation or be eaten by animals. And sometimes predators would come and take the children and raise them as slaves. Right. And so the verse that you just read in Galatians, you know, about how you are not slaves anymore, but you're my child and, and adopted. But Paul went into that situation, planted and grew a church, right. and those believers would go up That's right. and they would hike up that mountain mm -hmm. and they would pick up those children That's and right. they would raise them raise as them. their That's own. Exactly right. And in that culture, I didn't realize this until it was explained to me, but when you're actually adopted, it's more significant than yes. being a biological right. child. Yes. Because biological children could be disowned. disowned. But yes. when but you're adopted, adopted in, <laughs> into that context, you That's are forever, right. you are forever an heir. Isn't that beautiful? And so <laughs> just reading what in Ephesians 1, where Paul says that God the Father chose us, so just feeling chosen, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless, two things that those children didn't feel like they were, and blameless in his sight, in love, that God predestined us for adoption, to be sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And so just that picture has always been burned into my head, even before we ventured into foster care. Just that's what God the Father did, and that's what he did for us. We were helpless and crying out for our Father, and he came and he rescued us, and he's called the church to, to do the same. That's right, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and eternally redeemed, cannot be <laughs> renounced, cannot lose our salvation. That's so beautiful because our salvation is based on the character of God, not yes. on our inability <laughs> to live as we should, but on His good character. That's wonderful. Beautiful insight. Thank you for adding that, Virginia. Tell us a little bit about the training. Give us a little bit more detail about what parents, families need to mm -hmm. do if they're going to go. Our son and his wife have just completed the training, and so I'm wanting to go and get trained as a respite. What do you call that? I don't know. Just respite care. Respite yeah. care, yes, so mm -hmm. that I can help babysit or whatever if, mm -hmm. if they get children. So tell us a little bit about what's required. So there's an eight-week training that used to be called PATH, and now it's called Tennessee Key. It's an eight-week classes, and it's good to just, if you can, you know, talk to other people. And the first class is a little intense. They kind of give you all the stories, and not to scare you away, but it's a big commitment. It's right. not a light commitment. And so usually the second class is about half the size of the first. Wow. That's what we experienced. But then you finish your classes, and it's training, and then they do a home study. So they have a checklist. They want to make sure you have a safe home environment, that each child would have their own bed, that you have the proper transportation, that you have all the safety measures in place. And they ask for, just like adoption, whether any adoption, they ask for all your documents and <laughs> make sure you're financially stable and your, you know, your health of your family. And then they open your home and then you'll get a call pretty quick. <laughs> So that's exciting. I know exciting. with I don't know with, with with our son and his wife because they have a couple of children that are older. They also had to go through the interview process. Oh yes, and they asked them questions about their willingness to open <clears> the home and how they felt about it. And of course, they were all in because it's something they had been praying about as a family anyway. But they include the children, their biological children, in the home as well, right? Yes, I remember them talking to Benjamin. He was only four when we started, wow. and Hannah was two. And I think I was pregnant with Judah when we went through the classes. And my plan was, you know, have Judah once he's sleeping through the night, then we'll bring in other kids. And our first call was a seven-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. And so I went from three to five. I actually went from two to five pretty quick. But, you know, 
our life group showed up and they just served us and ministered to us and those children and it was hard and it was the most rewarding thing right. we've ever done. Hard and beautiful, right? Yes. <laughs> well, tell us, for those who are listening and thinking, okay, I, I want to get involved. I want to be all in. Maybe I'm at a stage of life where it's not really practical for me to do that or they're just unable to do it for whatever reason. They can still be involved. They can still come alongside other families and assist. Like you said, your life group did. What are some ways that you can assist foster care families or families who are adopting that maybe some of us may not be aware of our needs? I think the first thing I would encourage a family to do is to pray about possibly opening their home. For us, it's something we didn't really consider. We didn't. We weren't aware of the need, of the pressing need. And right now, kind of as we're coming out of COVID and kids are going back to school, there's more eyes on these children and things are being reported and the, the system's flooded and there's not enough homes and they need not enough homes, period, but definitely not enough Christian good yes, home, yes, Christian homes. Yes. And what I'm praying for is that God would raise up good, solid Christian homes for these children to go to because it will change their life just being in that environment. So I would first just encourage people to pray about, could they open their home? Is it a possibility? You know, my children were four, two, and newborn when we brought our first placement home, and uh, we just adopted Josiah. He's two, and he has some special needs. And so after we adopted him in November, people kind of assumed we were going to close our home because five children is a lot, five children under nine. But we, and initially we thought so we would too, but then the Lord just on both of our hearts, we're like, no, there's a teenage girl out there. And we just, he very specifically put that on our heart. Wow. So we put our yes on the table. That's kind of what the phrase that we use in our home. We put our yes on the table and told God not to call us about anyone that he doesn't want us to, you know, when they make the call, you get a little bit of information. But we said yes. We've always said yes. And sometimes the children end up going to a different home because it's closer or something else. So we kind of felt like, you know, I'm kind of maxed out on littles right now who need me physically, but I feel like we have a, you know, a room in our home for a teenage girl and the Lord double blessed us yes, he did. <laughs> with sisters. And it's just been so amazing. But I would just say for them to just pray about it and put their yes on the table and see what God would have them to do. But there's definitely situations where it's just not the right time or not the right season. And so if you can't foster or adopt right now, then you can support families who do. And everyone can do something. So some things that our life group has done for us, they bring us meals, help us with childcare because the first, especially the first weeks of placement are full of doctor's appointments and they have to get registered for school and, you know, ophthalmology appointments and they have to do all of these things. So it helps with the other children, offering respite. I know that one of my close friends, I had not slept very much after Josiah came home. He was he was just weeks old, and he did not sleep very much, and so neither did I, but I had five children, and she came over, and she just, you know, fed him at night and just gave me a solid eight hours of sleep, and I was a wow. new person. So I'm that was sure. amazing, bringing you coffee, running errands for you. We've gotten gift cards to Kroger because I'm at Kroger a lot. Or just helping, even helping with transportation. So, and then praying. We feel the prayers of those around us, and it makes a difference, um, especially when we have court dates and other things like that that come up. That's wonderful. And I know on our Bellevue website, we actually have a list of 
resources, adoption resources, that you can go to, and it's just bellevue.org slash adoption resources. Yes. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. But you can find a host of ministries that we partner with and work with. And so I just want to encourage those of you who are listening to be open, because adoption is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. And ask the Lord how He wants you to be involved. It's not does He, because we have scripture upon scripture of how we're to care for the orphans. So yes, we know we're called to do that. So how can we be involved? How can we come alongside somebody who is opening their home? How can we pray for, help finance, run errands, provide gift cards, whatever the Lord would lay on your heart to do, be open to doing that and be proactive. Ask somebody, go up to a Frank of Virginia (laughs) or some other family in the church that are fostering or adopting and just ask, how can I help you? Give me some tangible steps. Because a lot of times there are people on the outside who think, well, if I knew a way to help, I would, but they don't want to intrude. You're not intruding, right? You're helping. (laughs) Exactly. Dana, do you have anything you'd like to add? No, just to thank both of you. Macy, I I love your story, and I know you're impacting Mm -hmm. a lot of families who are considering adoption, as well as those who have been adopted. And is there anything that you would like to say to those who have already been adopted, who maybe are struggling a little bit with that? And that's one thing that I, you know, I, I instantly have a connection with someone who is adopted. I'm like, hey, I'm adopted too, to be able to find that other community that they understand what it's like to be adopted. Because some people, you know, can be mean and they can say comments or not even realize that can be hurtful. Mm-hmm. But know that, you know, God loves them, that they are a child, to be reminded of the scripture of, out of Ephesians, out of Galatians, out of Romans. And if they aren't even a Christian, to be able to witness to them and be like, you are loved and you are worth it and you are mm-hmm. wanted. Oh, wow. That's You're wanted. That's right. And Virginia, thank you so much for you and Frank being that visible reminder right. to these children that they are wanted. Yes. yes. That's such a, a huge message that any I think any child in foster care needs to hear. And just recently hearing the story of our daughters who came home with us, they were in the DCS office for a week and they heard oh. no oh. over and over and over again. And we didn't know this. This was not shared with us until after, but we were the last phone call that they were going to make before they split the girls up. And a lot of siblings are split up in foster care because people are unable to take more than one. And I just couldn't imagine them not being together. And After um, all they've been through, to be separated would be so traumatic. It would be traumatic. And so just knowing that they're loved and that we chose them and means the world. And So I think that's really important. And just for our family, you know, we just say we're not foster parents. You know, it's a family, like you mentioned about Mm -hmm. your son. It's our family has chosen to minister through foster care. It's a heartbeat of our home that we live on mission. And missions is not just going out on a project. It's a lifestyle. And it's it's hard to take five littles out to a Bellevue Elizabeth's project sometimes and actually do anything besides just chase chase them, Yes, giving them snacks and holding babies. But when they're in your home and you open up your home, they're learning all the time and they're having to share all the time and share mommy and daddy. And it's so good for them. And they love it. They love it so much. And as soon as our girls came in, they were just immediately just, we're so glad you're part of our family. And just so open and it's something that's hard to teach in other ways but it's yeah. been really special for our family yeah it's definitely like a team effort like you said 
it's not just the immediate family. It's those people that surround you, that love you, that care for you. You have a support group around, right. whether it's an extended family like young aunts and uncles and cousins and all that kind of stuff, or it's right. your neighbors or your community. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, thank you both. You know, when I was talking to my daughter-in-law, she just began to shed tears <laughs> like you are right now, Macy. And she said, I just thought, how can we not open our home and let a child see what a Christian home is and what a mom and dad mean and how you love someone unconditionally mm-hmm. to share with them the love of Jesus. And I got the opportunity to be in their home when they were making kind of coming to the end of this training process and making this decision. And I spent the night there because I was going to a cheer competition with our oldest granddaughter the next day. And that night, you know, Melissa had cooked a meal. It was before Christmas. She'd put on the Christmas music. She and one of the kids were making toffee. I was at the table playing a board game with the oldest two. And it just hit me. How many children have never had one evening like that? And so I told the kids, I had the three oldest with me in the car the next morning going to the cheer competition, and I just went back through everything they had done the night before. I said, I work with kids in the inner city. Do you realize how many of them have never had one night like you experienced last night? And that's your normal. That's all you know. And so that's what Melissa said. How can we not open our home? and let other children see what God originally designed a family to be. And so that's our challenge to those mm-hmm. of you who are listening. Would you just pray and be willing to open your home? And I'd also add that it's easy to feel incompetent. Like, I have nothing to offer. I know I had those feelings a lot, but just having a family meal and sitting around yes. a table is something that a lot of children have never experienced. Right. And they need someone to advocate for them, to speak up for them, you know, Josiah coming home as an infant with lots of medical needs, getting to advocate for him, right. but also with these teenage girls, just someone to make doctor's appointments for them and advocate for them when we go to court, things like that. They've never had someone just stand up for them and say, you know, we're here for you and we're beside you and we love you. And that means a lot. So you do have, you do have things to offer. Absolutely. That's a, a lie from the enemy otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. I would say just biggest point off of that, just to sum that up, is just one of the biggest things, not only pray, just to show up, just to be there, whether it's to help or whether it's to answer that call. That's right. Beautiful. And we'll leave you with that. Would you please just show up, right? <laughs> Virginia, would you close us in prayer? Dear Lord, we love you. We just thank you for this time to come together and to just renew our mind and our, our heart for your call to to love the orphans, Lord. And I just thank you for Macy's story and the way that you just chose her and you chose her family for her to be a part of. I thank you for the way that that's encouraged me and those listening uh, today. I thank you for the call to foster care. And I pray that you would just raise up families all around the city who love you, who can open their home to these children who need to know the love of Christ. And we know that it will change them. And we ask that you would give them the confidence and the resources and that they would seek it out and that they would just follow you and that they would be able to support the families who do foster and adopt and walk alongside us and help us do what you've called us to do. And we love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Afterward Podcast is a production of Bellevue Women and Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. For more Bible studies and other resources, visit bellevue.org women.